this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Well, hello. Welcome back. Oh, man, i got to adjust this microphone. Sorry. Sorry if you're having to listen to me adjust equipment while I'm recording. I tried to do something the other day with this microphone, which I have on one of these extended arms. I tried to, I should, the other day, I say the other day, this was like a month ago, 22 days ago when I recorded my last YouTube video. I tried to swing the arm around to the other side of my desk because I was sitting on the ground next to it. So I figured, hey, you know, I have the nice microphone. Maybe I can do like they do in the movies and TV and have like the boom arm. And I can get the sound from the video from an off-camera microphone. I gave up on the idea. It was just too much of a pain in the butt. (laughs) But in the process, I had to like twist the head of this thing. And I have loosened a screw. It's It's not a screw. It's a nut, I guess, because you have to use an Allen wrench to turn it. Screws turn with screwdrivers. Nuts turn with nut drivers, I guess. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, Chad. Carry on. Anyways, I loosened this thing, and now the head is wobbly. Can you hear that? Yeah. What a pain in the butt. i got to take this whole thing apart to get to the screw. That's the best part. Anyways, thanks for tuning in for the part that you don't care about. Let me drink a little bit of this hot tea. Mm. Yeah, still too hot. Okay. I said welcome back. I really want to say I am surprised. After last week's episode... I'm surprised by how many of you are still kicking around after my sort of unannounced hiatus from podcasting. I honestly thought that I was going to drop last week's episode to crickets, but there was like, I'd say like 80% of you still kicking around. So maybe, maybe we can get those other 20% back. Maybe some new people. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just winging it right now. I have some notes. I have a few notes. I did prepare because God knows what would happen if I just turned on this microphone and started talking without at least some idea of where I was going to (laughs) go. I just tried to drink the hot tea again. What's the matter with me? So what I want to touch on first is something that, you know, this probably happens to you. I've mentioned this to everybody I know probably has heard me say this a hundred times, how sometimes I'm a little dense. In in the sense that, uh, you know, like dense things are hard to, to penetrate. Sometimes ideas and thoughts take a while to sink in for me. Not because 
I don't grasp them or anything like that is usually because my head is somewhere else. And it literally just, it never even hovers around my head long enough to penetrate. And then one day, boom, it hits. And it's usually something so simple that when I tell people like, oh, I just finally, this just finally made sense to me. I sound stupid because it's usually that's the type of thing that when people hear it the first time, it makes sense to them, makes sense to them the moment that they hear it. I'm going to, I'm going to take a quick detour right there. You hear how I messed up that sentence? I don't know if I talk about this enough. I should, I should share this. I have a bit of a speech impediment. As, as a 43-year-old man, I've been slowly coming to terms with this. Sometimes I get tongue-tied that uh, my brain doesn't really cooperate with my tongue and the words just kind of like tumble out. That's why I used to over-edit everything because sometimes I would just say things wrong and then it'd take me... Sometimes uh, if it's a word like particularly... Ooh, I did it right the first time there. If it's a word like that and I'm just trying to throw it offhand into a sentence... Sometimes it may take me five or six swipes to get that word out right. So I used to cut all that out. But I'm really trying to keep things raw here. So if you ever hear me stumble over my words, I'm not intoxicated or, I don't know, whatever you might think hearing me talk like that. I just, uh, yeah, my brain doesn't always cooperate with my mouth. So back to what I was saying about being dense. <laughs> I'm just really attacking myself here at the beginning of the show. But these are all true things. So I was watching a video on YouTube the other day. And it was one of these videos that the algorithm decided, hey, you might like this. And the title was enough to make me click it. It's probably from something that I was watching years ago because I used to watch a lot of stuff about media. You know, like what's going on in YouTube and what do you need to know about being a YouTuber and what's going on with podcasts and what do you need to know about podcasts? I used to research and look at stuff like that all the time because I thought, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I can learn some of this stuff. I think that's why YouTube popped this up in front of me. I can't think of any other reason. Actually, I take that back. The video is called Why Emma Chamberlain is the New Casey Neistat. It says Casey Neistat in it. I follow Casey Neistat. I also follow his brother, Van Neistat, who's probably my favorite YouTuber right now, just because he's so 100% himself. But this isn't about Van, but anybody out there knows Van, give him a pat on the back for me and a thank you. So that might be the other reason this showed up, the Neistat connection. It's possible. Anyways, that's why I clicked on it. The reason I picked up vlogging in 2016 is because I was inspired by Casey Neistat. I, I knew I couldn't achieve the, the quality, the production quality that he was achieving. But I saw what he was doing, producing a video every day. It was something I'd never heard of before. I know it was a phenomenon, I'm sure. But somebody producing a video every single day was just insane to me. And I remember telling someone I knew about this. Someone who I thought knew a lot about video production. I shouldn't say that. I thought someone that I knew who did, in fact, know and still does know a lot about video production. And I introduced this person to Casey Neistat, a couple of Casey Neistat videos, because I thought, hey, you know, you are trying to edge out a career in the video space. 
maybe you should try this vlogging thing as a way to kind of show off your skills. It might be a really good way to, you know, put yourself out there to do the thing that you want to do. And I don't know, maybe I said it wrong or something like that, but like the response was really not like, oh, that's a really cool idea. I'm not really into it. It wasn't a positive response. It was like a, I don't know, almost like a, a nasty and ridiculing, oh, these videos aren't that good. And I remember being pissed off. And I remember saying, I think it's impressive that this guy's able to put out a video every day. You couldn't do that. And I, I think I was japping this person a little bit, maybe hoping that they would say, fine, I'll prove you wrong. Because I really wanted to see this person do it. That was my only intention in telling this person about it. And if the person who I'm talking about is listening to this and remembers this, I am not in any way ridiculing you. I really wanted you to do it because I thought it would be awesome and I would have watched it. But then I realized afterwards, you know, like for, after going home, when I did that little jab thing, that wasn't that wasn't really a fair thing to say. You know, I was kind of being a jerk there. I kind of understand it's impossible. It seems so impossible to produce a video every day. And something about that was like a bug in my head. Up until that point in my life, I had like zero, well, maybe 5% experience editing video. And I would say only throwing that 5% in because there's a possibility. I may have edited one or two things somewhere in my life or tried to. I don't remember doing it, but it's possible. But I knew nothing about filming and i mean i didn't even know the difference what, what like frame rates 24 30 60 i didn't understand any of that i filmed the video one time in 60 and everybody's like why is this making me nauseous and i'm like i don't know i got a new camera and i put it on the top settings and then that same person that i was talking to before told me no you don't want it on the top setting that's for like action you know if you're filming sports or something like that because it gets rid of the blur but it's normal for a brain to see blur. So movies are in like 24 frames and TV is in 30. I didn't even know any of that stuff. I knew nothing. But something about that, it's impossible thing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. And that's I, I did it. And I was inspired by Casey Neistat. And then he became, in a way, for I think a lot of people, maybe in 2016, he became a kind of template I know that there was a community of people that I got to know via YouTube, you know, people that were following me and I was following as well that were also doing daily vlogging. There was like four or five of us, Mike and JP and Carl the Madman. I actually miss these people. You know, once you stop doing YouTube, you, you lose touch with them. But I remember we were all working with something from that template in some way or trying to carve our own niche or in some way reacting to that template. And it was a great, a great experience for me. It's, it's how I ended up podcasting, in all honesty, because learning to edit audio, I mean, learning to edit video made editing audio seem super easy, which in some ways it is easier. In some ways it's more difficult if you're trying to do something polished, unlike what I'm doing now. I think the tea is sippable now. Hold on. Mm. Dry throat. Thank you. So anyway, I will make one other point in here. Why Emma Chamberlain is the new Casey Neistat. Watching this video made me go check out Emma Chamberlain. She's, uh, I think she's one of my favorite YouTubers as well right now. She's a 19-year-old girl, and she's doing straight-up old-school vlogging where she's just talking to the camera. She doesn't even really use music. 
It's so cool. It's so raw. It's so real. She leaves in her burps. Everybody can't get away with that. Like me as a 43-year-old man, if I left in my burps, it gives a different message. <laughs> it's just gross, maybe. Nobody wants to see it. This video, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this part, is by the channel is Colin and Samir, S-A-M-I-R. It's worth watching if you're interested in this kind of stuff. Because the thing about this video, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is because they touch on something that is a type of thing that I was talking about earlier when I said something that should have penetrated my brain really quickly, but never did until I watched this video. And I like the way that these guys, they just kind of, they're sitting across from each other and they're just kind of talking back and forth. It's really, it's a really nice uh, way that they do things. And they're, their insights really kind of, I don't want to say they shook me, but they really brought they brought me back down to ground. You know, like I had been on the hiatus and all this, and something about that was what lured me back to the ground. And the main thing that they talk about is the difference between idea-based creators and relationship-based creators. Now, let's see, see, this is the thing where I say it should have sunk in. When I was looking at the type of creators, I was looking looking at genre. What kind of podcasters are there? There are the true crime podcasters. There are the comedy podcasters. There are the interview podcasters. There are the two people sitting across from each other podcasters. There are the, like me, solo podcasters. That's the way I was looking at it. And that was always one of those niches where I was always trying to fit myself into one of them. Which of these is natural for me? I got to try these out. Let me, if you've been around long enough, you know, I've tried almost all of them trying to find the one that felt like me. You know, they all seem interesting. That's the problem. They all seem interesting. They all seem cool. They all touch on things that I'm interested in, but it's not about, this is what I've learned. It's not about doing shows about or projects about what you're interested in. It's about doing projects that you're interested in, the topic of that you're also happen to be good at and that just kind of feel natural. Like I can just keep coming back and doing this. doesn't mean there isn't work involved and there isn't effort involved, but the effort, the place where you don't want effort is the effort to make you want to do the next, whatever, the next episode, the next blog, the next video, the next page. If you have to force yourself to do the next then there's something that missing there. There's something lacking there. It's, it's not you're, you're not in the right place. The, the effort and the struggle should be in in your quality, in trying to. And I don't mean production quality. That can be part of it, but I mean, if you're doing true crime, the effort should be in the quality of your research. That's the good kind of effort that you want to feel when you're when you're doing a project. You don't want to feel it in the oh god. It's been six days. That means I have to do another episode. That's a problem because that's something you can't get over. That's a battle you're always going to lose in my experience. So that's that's kind of the way I was always looking at things. Like, which of these niches do I fit in? But what I didn't see is this differentiation that they're pointing out here. All of the places that I was looking in specific with the podcast, looking for my home, I'm using air quotes here, was in the category of IED-based creators. 
idea-based creators is I have an idea. This is the idea. I make content based on the idea. You listen to the content because you're interested in the idea of the project, the idea of the episode, stuff you should know, right? Idea-based creators. What is the idea? Actually, they might fit in both categories, but the essential idea of stuff you should know is an idea-based creation. We are going to do research on these things and tell you how they work. How do Hot Wheels work? You know, what's the history of Hot Wheels? How does the appendix work? We're going to tell you about the appendix. It's based on idea. But what I hadn't considered, which is funny considering that Casey Neistat and vlogging is not idea-based creation. It's this other kind of creation that apparently I just completely forgot about, even though I was involved in it. Maybe I just, because I didn't have a title for it, I couldn't file it away. You know, it's just like a loose paper. It's not in the filing cabinet in the folder that it needs to be in, to use a metaphor that probably nobody (laughs) relates to anymore since everything's digital. But relationship-based creators. What a relationship-based creator is, somebody who comes back to talk to their audience and that the audience comes back for for the person, not for the specific thing that they're talking about. So Casey Neistat, sure, there are people out there who watch Casey Neistat videos because of the title or something like that, but the, the majority of Casey Neistat's fan base just wants to see snippets of Casey's life. Same thing with Emma Chamberlain. The people that watch Emma Chamberlain videos just want to see what's going on. Has she been laying in bed all day reading books and then getting up every once in a while and playing the drums? Has she been shopping at thrift stores in the desert? It doesn't matter. She's talking to me for 20 minutes inside of her car while she's driving. I don't care. That's a relationship-based creator. And I think one of the reasons maybe I had a blind spot for this is because to do what Emma Chamberlain does, there's a certain amount of audacity. And I mean that in a positive way, kind of like Obama's book, The Audacity of Hope or The Audacity to Hope. It's one of those two. Audacity is, it's like the impulse and it's like an assumption. And the assumption is that somebody out there is going to be interested in what I'm talking about, even though it's just petty stuff for my life, right? That's, that's the core of relationship-based podcasting or not even podcasting, relationship-based creation. When I'm looking at the place where I belong, that's the place where I belong. It's, it's, it's natural for me to just turn this on. You know, like if you could see the notes that I have in front of me, there are like eight things here. I'm on number one. <laughs> I'm not going to get to all of them. At least I don't think so. But that's that's why, because this is natural to me. Okay, I put these eight things here. Just in case, what if I breeze past like six of these? I got enough there to give me something. But when I really start talking, I'm talking about number one. I'm still talking about number one. I'm putting it out with an uh, an audacious hope that people are interested in hearing just what's on my mind, what's going on with me, what my struggles are, whatever. And that's, that's the difficult thing. For some people, including me, especially me in this case, to accept because it almost feels like a form of egotism. Like, oh, people are going to think that I think I'm special. No, it's just I have things I want to talk about. And let's be honest, I'm not getting out of the house much. (laughs) I'm not socializing with anybody. 
you know, like let's 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 be real bare and honest here. Let me let me look at something real quick in my phone. Messages. The last text message that I got from someone that is not a two-factor <laughs> the code for two-factor sign-in for some account or a message from DoorDash telling me that they dropped off food on my front porch or a message from the vet telling me it's time for latte to come in for an appointment. The last time that someone I know sent me a text message to see how I was doing or chat with me was April 1st. So it's two months ago. So yeah, I got things I want to talk about and I'm not doing a lot of talking. So it is audacious. It is bold. But it's, it's, it is what comes natural. So that clarification between those two things is really what made me able to come back. It just crystallized like, oh, this is what I've been trying to do. It's weird that sometimes you need that frame, you need that, you know, you need that lens to be able to see something, to be able to hold on to it. But it, it just feels like it's ephemeral if you can't, sometimes if you can't categorize it or if you can't at least put a title on it. Categorize is a bad word because that makes it seem like you're putting it in predefined places. But I mean, give it its own unique name just so you know, know what to call it. You know, going back to the dog. You know it's your dog. The dog knows you're the owner. Why do you need to bother naming it? Because it's weird not to name your dog, right? You're not going to walk around going, hey, come here. Sometimes you need to name things in order to solidify your relationship with them. That's really something that maybe in some way I should have talked about last week, but I mean, it didn't really fit into the whole anxiety thing. I left the house the other day. I say, you know, I haven't been leaving the house much. I left the house the other day. I had to go in. Like I mentioned last week, I know I mentioned last week that I had to go in and get the CPAP adjusted, which honestly is funny. You know, like I took this time to make sure that I was at the appointment on time because I didn't know what the parking was going to be like because I know that they were also doing COVID testing in the parking lot. So I wasn't sure if parking was going to be a problem. I got there early, go inside, sit and wait like 15 minutes for the appointment, go into the appointment. The appointment literally took like 10 minutes. <laughs> So this whole thing, but it, you know, I, I have to be honest, just being in public, negotiating an elevator, asking someone, do you want to come in the elevator? Do you feel safe coming in the elevator with another person? You know, just like these little negotiations. It was nice. Yes, that's right. This is the way the world used to work. Huh. And it kind of broke a pattern. I'm sure it's the same for a lot of you. A lot of, uh, a lot of people have been getting their shots been getting vaccinated and going back into public and and being able to go out without face masks on so that you can see facial expressions again, which come on, you know, that was weird going like a year without seeing facial expressions. That's weird. I, I notice it when I'm walking the dog, somebody does something and, you know, normally you would just smile to like, communicate to the person like you know like your dog barked at my dog my dog barked at your dog i'm going to smile and let you know it's funny because i'm not mad about it you know it's like these normal little things well when you have the face mask you can't do that so it's been weird human communication has been strange so just kind of breaking out of that pattern was really nice and it's funny how you break out of the pattern of one thing and it kind of has ripple effects in other places all of a sudden, you're you're doing something, you know, you're deciding like, hey, this TV show I've been binging, you know what, I'm going to skip that tonight, I'm going to watch something else. 
How is that related? I don't know. It just seems to have some sort of ribble effect. So I'm, I'm on two nights since the CPAP has been adjusted. Seems to have made a difference that the sleeping seems to be a little bit better. I'm still not uh, getting to my dream, my fantasy, which is being able to go to sleep and wake up in the morning. <laughs> in other words, get eight hours of sleep at once. Still haven't got there, but I'm not exhausted in the morning anymore. So I'm making progress. The guy said he's, it might take a little bit to adjust to some of these changes. Give it two weeks. So maybe over the next few days, I'm going to adjust to it more and more. Fingers crossed. Please cross your fingers for me, too. Because, you know, part of the, I talked about it last week, the not feeling pleasure for so long because of the sleep deprivation, that also affects my ability or my desire to do things, to create and to turn on the microphone, like just desire, energy, all of these things. When I'm not doing those things, I don't feel like myself, which makes things worse because then I feel shittier. So cross your fingers. Hope, 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 hope that I'm starting to get some normal sleep. But, you know, actually, we talk about pattern interruptions. I think, I'm pretty sure, I talked briefly about how I've been jogging. I might have talked about that last week. I've never been a runner my whole life. Even I remember when I was, uh, how old was I? Seventh grade? Yeah, sixth, somewhere between sixth and seventh grade. I first got involved with Pop Warner football because I was chubby kid and I wanted to like have some like viable skill that I could everybody's talking about football fine I'll learn how to play football and I did that for four years not just pop order you know like I did in high school football too and if you have ever been involved in an organized sport you know one of the things that coaches love to make people do is run laps I remember never never from that point forward Never having a memory of ever running and going, this is cool. I like doing this. Never. Never once. That's changed now. I'm kind of a lightly, or as somebody might say, low-key addicted. Do people still say that? Or am I, do I sound like the old guy talking about like using terminology from 10 years ago? But a low-key addicted to jogging. I've never been a runner. And I'm, I've been fairly out of shape, not like horribly out of shape, but fairly out of shape for a while. It's sometimes maybe horribly, like when I was smoking cigarettes still, which was like eight years ago when I quit. Just never got into running. And now I'm understanding that my desire is greater than my actual ability. When I first started, it was difficult. It was difficult for two reasons, mainly, actually three one, my my actual body, like my legs, you know, the the biomechanics of my body were out of shape. You know, the muscles weren't built up in the right way for running. Second way it was difficult is because being out of shape, not acclimated to running, the breathing part's a problem at first. You know, you're out of breath really quick. And then the third thing was, used to be really difficult for me, as I talked about in the anxiety episode, because anything that would trigger an increase in my heart rate would put me into a state of basically tachycardia. My heart rate would get fast and would keep getting faster and it would stay there. You know, like if somebody runs, they run, their heart rate goes up, they stop, their heart rate goes down. As you know, like mine would stay up there because it wasn't, it wasn't elevated from the running. It was elevated from basically adrenaline. When you have a lack of sleep, you have sleep deprivation 
one of the things that can happen is that your uh, cortisol levels and your adrenaline get out of whack and uh, anything that triggers those, you know, like it's like a, it's like an inflammation. So I used to be terrified of getting an accelerated heart rate. So I had to really work through that fear to start jogging, which worked well with the whole body not being in shape and lungs not being in shape because it meant I only had to jog little brief stints. I'm still only jogging little brief stints now, but there's a big difference. Number one, I don't have that fear anymore. I look, actually, I'm at the point where I look forward to an accelerated heart rate. I like that feeling now. I like the feeling of knowing that my body is working well because I can actually feel that it's working well. That's a really good feeling. But even though like I don't get out of breath anymore, I can say I'm going to run from here to to the middle of the block there. I really want to go to the end of the block. But I'll go to the middle. First time, first jog, little short jog, a little bit out of breath, but nothing bad. You know, like it's just normal out of breath. Before it would be like... <sighs> Like, really just struggling for a while to get that breath back. And that was just like, I don't get out of breath from the short stints so much anymore. But the only reason I'm able to, the only reason I'm not able to run more than the short stints anymore is actually because of a mechanics problem. I am at the stage where I'm running, but it's starting to hurt my shins, the front of my shins. And I'm pretty sure that's just from not having built the proper muscles because I've I've been studying a little bit about form. You know, I was having back problems for a while, so I was studying form for walking and learning, you know, like you don't want to land on your heels, you want to land on your midfoot. But when you're running, it's even better to kind of land on your toes, not necessarily the tip of your toes, you know, like the bottom of the ball of your feet, and then allow that to let the rest of your foot fall. And it takes all the stress off your knees and your hips. It's actually how your foot is supposed to work, but you have to do a little bit shorter strides and you have to just lean forward slightly. And I've been doing that, but because of that, I'm using muscles in the shin, I think, that I I don't normally use. So I'll start running and I'm feeling good. And then I get to a point where like, okay, shins, okay, I should stop. And then I'll stop and I'll walk for a while and then push it again and push it again. So if anybody has any advice exercises or stretches I should be doing for, I think those are, what do they call those? Shin, shin splints? Is that what they call it? When when you get those pains in your shin? It only happens while I'm running. I'm, I'm not feeling the pain afterwards, so I'm not injuring anything. So if there's any advice on how to build up those muscles, I'd love to hear it. You can use the Twitter for that. Let me know, because I'd like to be able to extend the length of my runs. Now let's have a little tea. Mm. Speaking of tea, I uh, mentioned earlier, you know, still waking up multiple times. The first like three or four times I wake up, I have to pee so bad. I'm sure you you wanted to know that. And I had assumed it was from drinking tea too late. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I drank a ton of tea. That's it's just that's what it is. Too much liquid. So I cut the liquid back by an hour before bed, and then two hours before bed, and then three hours before bed, and it wasn't changing. And I found out what it is to some degree. To some degree, it's because I'm drinking chamomile. And chamomile can be a diuretic, which means that it pushes liquid out of your body, which explains why every time I would have to pee, it was like all the pee. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just a little. 
So that's why 10 o'clock, I'm drinking the tea now. Maybe I'll get it out before I go to bed. I usually go to bed about two. Hmm. Let's see. I one of the other consequences of me getting more sleep, I, like I said earlier, was that I'm feeling the desire to create things again. And I'm discovering something in a way, rediscovering something. For a long time, this sleep deprivation problem I've been suffering with has been ramping for a very long time. And because of that, there are certain consequences, certain patterns that I built because of that increasing feeling and not understanding where it's coming from and assuming it was coming from deep inside myself. Am I just getting to a place where I don't want to create anymore? Like in my air quotes, am I just becoming a normal person? I don't say normal person as a criticism of quote normal people. I say that as a criticism of the term normal people. You know, like that's a horrible thing to be normal. I always assume I'm a creator. Am I just becoming a non-creator? And in reality, it was that this sleep deprivation problem is just sapping me of desire. And the thing that I rediscovered, or I'm starting to rediscover, is that, oh, I remember why I make things. I make things because it's fun. And that seems silly, right? But for so long, because of this slowly growing ennui, you know, this sort of boredom, which was just this exhaustion slowly setting in, I was making things out of the idea the the aspirational idea that I was making things because they're fun, but not because I was actually having fun every time. You know, sometimes I was, obviously, but not always. So the pattern that I had built for myself was create out of like a, a sense of duty. You know, you set this pattern. I do this every Sunday. I do this every Sunday. And that becomes the reason that you create things instead of the actual reason that you want to create things. It's just like, I feel like creating something. I feel creative. For example, I never said I was going to do this podcast every week when I came back last week. I'm still not saying that. But it's Saturday. It's been like six, seven days. And I decided tonight, like, hey, I feel like podcasting. I've been collecting notes. I feel like talking about these things. And that was a nice feeling to just be like, I'm doing this because I can't imagine doing anything else right now because it's what, it's what's pulling me. And that's really nice. And it starts opening up all these other things. You have these little ideas and you go, I could do that. And I've had a tendency in the past to overload myself with little ideas because what you, what, what can happen when you're exhausted is you, you create a bunch of little things and you hope this isn't really happening on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a cycle. And this, the purpose of the cycle is to distract you. So you're doing things on duty, right? I do this every week. I do this every month. I do that. You have these cycles set up and then you have like five or six other little projects. And because they're little projects, they don't feel heavy because you're only doing one thing at a time. And, you know, you say you have seven little projects. Well, you know, you got a podcast, you got newsletter, you got posting this kind of stuff on Twitter, and I'm doing this over here, and I'm doing this over here, and you've got all these little projects. 
and you cycle through them. I'm doing number one today, and tomorrow I'm doing number two. And the hope is, the subconscious hope here is that when you get to number seven, you forget that you're exhausted when you get back to number one because the scenery is continually changing. So you're trying to distract yourself from this growing desire to do nothing. So you're continually trying to add shiny things. And from the outset, that can very look very similar to doing things because you feel like it. They can look very similar. In fact, doing things because you feel like it, the real reason that you should create, can look less stable to people on the outside than what I just talked about. And the reason for that is when you, if you're really just living in the I create things because I feel like it, then things can be sporadic, right? <laughs> because you might not, like I did a video on YouTube about how I use my note-taking app Rome to track books that I'm rereading, books that I've already read, but I want to reread again. It's a tutorial video. I've never done one before. It's the only one I've ever done. I may never do another one again, but I did it because I wanted to. And there was no other way to communicate the information in it other than to do a video. Now, from the outside, that can look scattered and inconsistent, like something's wrong. You know, something's going on. This guy only made one video on tutorials. Once again, that's maybe in some way related to an idea-based creator versus a relationship-based creator. I'm not creating based off of an idea. I'm creating because I have things I want to communicate, and it's part of the relationship. So I made one video as a tutorial. May do one again, may not. If I want to, I will. That was the chime to give the dog his bone. So hold on a second. Relax, relax, relax. Come here. Okay. I tried to do that fast enough so that I don't have to edit. <laughs> Go eat your bone. What's the matter with you? Okay, whatever. So where was I? Oh, yes. Looking scattered from the outside. You know, if you only do one tutorial and then you only do one video about books and then you only do one podcast every month, month and a half, because you're doing things when you want to, it can look scattered. Or the other one where you're just struggling to stay above water and you're doing it on a pattern. Every, I do this every week. Why? Because it happens every week. And that's the only reason that I do it. You're in trouble in that situation, but to the outside, you look organized and on time. And that's a weird thing to deal with, to understand that like you get into a healthier place, it may look the opposite to other people. But the thing about creating from this place of wanting to create is there's no rush. When you're, when you're creating that, trying to create that cycle and you're trying to create these projects to distract yourself, there's always a rush. You're trying to outrace something, right? You're trying to outrace this exhaustion. So you have to do the new project now. You got to do it today. You got to get started today. You got to do it today. You got to get on it. Because that, that sense of emergency feels like a sense of responsibility. It feels like a sense of being on top of things. It gives you all the things that you're lacking. But when you don't have that driving you and you have these ideas, you sit on them and you know, like, eventually I might do it. You know, for example, I've been doing the the newsletter, which is the it list, which is just like 10 things that I like. Every time I collect 10 things that I want to share, I send one out. I had this thing the other day where I was like, you know, I have, sometimes I have questions. And, you know, like there was a kind of a form of the podcast before I'd have questions and I'd try to do research and find the answer and bring that in. 
and that just didn't work out because that's not, it's just not the way I work. I don't like doing reports. You know, it's like the book report thing. I don't like doing that. And I thought, wouldn't it be just really cool to have like a, on Substack, which is where I have the newsletter, you can do two sections, which is essentially like having like two separate blog slash newsletters, but they're attached to each other. It would be interesting to do something where I just, I take the questions I have and just like make them like they're open threads. Like, here's a question I have and just see what happens. Leave it for people to answer themselves. Like if I put the question on there with shins, you know, like I got a problem with the shins. Anybody advice? And maybe I'll get like 10 different advices on how to deal with the shins. And then maybe those people will communicate with each other and hopefully respectfully debate each other. I like that idea. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but like, that's exciting. That's fun. You know, it's not a lot of work on my part, but it's not about like work. It's just like, that would seem like a cool thing that fits in with just like things that interest me and things that I want to share. You know, like I'm thinking about this question. Maybe I'm not looking at something and you can enlighten me because it sometimes as a creator, you're stuck on one side of the coin, which is always that I'm giving the answers or I'm pushing stuff out. Sometimes it's good to explore the other side of that coin where it's like, I'm opening and you're providing maybe more of a two-way thing. So I might do that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that if that happens. I've got at least three questions. And <laughs> they're all over the board. All right. I'm going to talk about one more thing. And I think this is it's a pretty big one in the sense that it fits in with our theme here of small things that have large repercussions. So not too long ago, let's see, what's the date on this? April 16th. On April 16th, I posted a piece or a blog or whatever you want to call it on Patreon. And it was called, After 10 Years, I'm Throwing Away 37,000 Words and Starting Over. And it's this piece about how I had recently gone back to my novel and I realized something about the novel that I had been missing for all the years that I'd been working on it. And what I realized about it was, first of all, why it wasn't working, why I couldn't get it to conclusion. And on top of that, it's such a fundamental realization that it requires me to rewrite the whole thing. I won't get into a ton of details, but one of the reasons for that is what I have written so far is all in third person. This realization makes me realize that I need to write the book in first person. So that requires even if I didn't have to make fundamental changes to the structure of the book, which I do, that requires me rewriting every sentence anyways. And it wasn't a lamenting piece. In fact, it was kind of a, it felt like a piece of liberation. This thing that I thought was never going to make sense to me is actually starting to make sense. And it's intimidating. I still haven't, you know, it's been a couple months. I still haven't really given myself the permission to start doing it. But I know where to start. And it's not, you know, this is what I, the reason I brought it up was not actually to talk about that piece, but you needed to understand a fundamental idea behind that piece. Because give a shout out to a patron here, a shout out to Trista. Trista's been around for a long time. Hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing her comment. It's a very brief comment, but there's some things I want to say about it. First, her comment is some things just can't be forced. Stay true to you. I hate that platitude-like talk, but it's true. Onward. Four things from that. First of all, some things can't be forced. 
absolutely not. That's the whole that's the whole thing with that novel and with the podcast and everything that I've been talking about so far. I've worked so hard at trying to force things, even through like exhaustion, through anxiety, through all these problems. I've been trying to force things because if I didn't try to use force, then I had nothing else to drive me. Like the desire was gone. The joy, all of that was gone. So all I had left was force. And through all that, regardless of all that effort and all that force, everything just, it was like it was still crumbling in my hands because, like she said, it can't be forced. These seem like very simple things, but they, they're things that we all know. You know, like she says, the second thing she, that I wanted to point out, I hate that platitude-like talk. We all hate it. You know why we all hate it? Because we hear it and we think, I know that. But the thing is, when you share things like that, when you say things like that, you're not really saying it because, you know, like she's not telling me this because she doesn't think I don't know these things. She's telling it to remind me. Remember, think about this idea that we already all know. Remember, you're not the only person that thinks these things, which means that maybe there's some truth to them. We're reminding each other. And it can be hard to remember that, and not in a case, obviously, with a a comment on a post. In real life, when we're in a conversation that happens and we get annoyed by it, well, we're getting annoyed. It's usually from our parents. We're getting annoyed because we feel like the person's trying to tell us how to think or how to live. It's not really what's going on. It's like what Trista's doing here. Just remember these things you already know. I know you know these, but just remember them. It might be a platitude, but it's true. It might be a cliche, but it's true. Remember it. Don't remember the cliche part. Don't remember the platitude part. Remember the truth of it. I'm encouraging you. Hence the onward at the end. I'm encouraging you. Stay true to you. And the reason I bring this up, not only to point out those things, but also because while I knew these things, I did need to be reminded of those things. Just getting back on board, just kind of pulling myself out of this fog as I've been beginning to do in the last few weeks. Yeah, you you feel good because you're figuring things out and you feel like you know, you're know you the captain of your ship again. But yeah, it's still really powerful to just have that little reminder from somebody, you know? You all know it. Like maybe in the last year, we've kind of forgot it because we've had less of these little human interactions. These are the type of things that uh, can happen around a water cooler at work. You're having a relationship problem or whatever. Somebody says, don't worry, it'll work itself out. It's a platitude, but you know what? That just maybe that one little 1% boost that somebody's saying that little offhand thing as a way of encouraging might just be a little 1% that gets you over the hump. But because we're used, we were used to those things happening all the time, we, we took them for granted. And that's why, like, a, that's the power of not remaining silent. I don't mean like getting up on soapboxes and stuff like that. I mean, like, when you're listening to podcasts, or when you are watching videos on YouTube, when you're consuming something and you have a way to communicate with the person that created that, take advantage of that. Not only for yourself, but for the person too. Because, yeah, you might think that Casey Neistat, he's getting hundreds of thousands of comments. He's probably not going to see what you post. But maybe somebody else will, you know? And maybe that's that one little thing is that one little 1% boost they need to hear. The communication and comments have a power that maybe we have not fully begun to utilize. And that we should do that more. That we should encourage each other more. 
even in small ways, don't feel like you have to be original. Don't feel like you have to be clever because you know what? The the people who try to be original, the try people who try to be clever, their stuff doesn't sink in. You know, think about your Instagram comments. The person, you know, the 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 dude, the creepy dude who's trying to be smooth, he doesn't usually get the attention of the bikini model <laughs> that he's that he's sending something to. But the guy who consistently leaves respectful and just commonplace comments might be remembered more. Oh, that guy seems like a nice person. Doesn't mean some blossoming romance is going to happen, but like they're going to be remembered by that person more likely than the person who's trying to be clever and trying to stand out and trying to say the awesome things. I can't think of how many times people have left comments on things I've posted and I've read them and had no idea what they were talking about. They were trying to be so clever that they were so far inside their own head that I literally had no idea what I was being told. I don't know what that means. You know, and you don't want to be like, I have no idea what you mean, because unfortunately that can look like you're shaming the person. So usually, you know, you just give it a heart or back or something and you say, ha ha. But don't try to be clever. Just be real. Going back to the YouTube thing where I started, one of the things that we used to do, the guys and... I think there was a few ladies in there too. There was definitely Kim that was in there. We had this group and we would all, like I said, follow each other's vlogs and watch each other's vlogs every day. And we would always comment on each other's vlogs. Sometimes, you know, like you're commenting on somebody's vlog every day. You're not going to have something original every day. Sometimes you could just say something and it would work so well. Just that was a fun one or can't wait to see tomorrow. There's just platitude things. But you know what? They're awesome. If you're the YouTuber who's put out a piece of your life, expose a piece of your life, and you get these little comments like, that was great. I had fun. That made me laugh. Can't wait to see what happens tomorrow. All of those little things feel really cool. So I guess that's a good time for me to remind you guys. <laughs> Anything you ever want to say, you can use the Twitter or the voice messages. I guess I didn't, I don't think I put a link for the voice message thing in the last episode. So I'll try to do that for this one. I imagine Twitter's easier, but I want to give you two options. And uh, basically, anything you want to ask me that you think that would be end up being a topic, you know, like going back to what I said at the beginning, relationship-based creator. You hear the type of stuff I talk about. You hear the type of things I think about. Ask me a question. Point me to a topic that you think, you know, steer me to a topic you think I might talk about. I don't know. Let's make it a little more two-way. And of course, you know, if you want to be like Trista, you can come over to Patreon and become a patron and uh, subscribe to the newsletter too. Those are all things you can do if you want to further our relationship. If not, you can just stick around and listen to the podcast because I will be back. I will be back when I have more things to talk about. That's the way this works, you know? Generally, unless, you know, you do what I thought I did earlier, a couple couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, when I thought I quit. But I didn't. I didn't. I'm still here. Better than ever. My tea's cold. For some reason, the dog decided to lay down instead of eating his bone. He's mad at me. I need to go fix our relationship. So, <laughs> I'll talk to you all later. Goodbye.